it's common that parents will say, oh, they're having a tantrum or they're having outbursts. They, they have a block that keeps them from going a little bit further. What's this outburst about? You know, they're stuck at the, it's, it's uh, intolerable, it's disturbing, it's bothersome, it needs to stop, you know, it's problematic rather than going that next step and saying, what is the child trying to express and, and what's where's it coming from? Mm-hmm. And that is a challenge in helping the parents to, to just be able to stop and, and look at it longer before they do anything. You know, what's happening here? Do they need it? Is, is it uh, something that has to be stopped? You know, that's a question itself. Is this something that needs to be stopped or does it need to be allowed uh, to be expressed? Right. Right. And that could be hard in the moment, right? For, you know, you have a wailing child in your lap and you may not know in the moment what exactly to do. Welcome to the A Different Kind of Psychiatry podcast brought to you by the ACO. I'm Dr. Chris Burrett. Each month, we feature a patient interview, case presentation, or interview or discussion with one or more of our doctors who practice a different kind of psychiatry. We're interested in your questions and comments, and I would love to hear your feedback. Send an email to aco at orgonomy.org. The best way to help the American College of Orgonomy spread its knowledge is by letting others know about us. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review. If you're interested in attending one of our webinar presentations, you can meet the doctors and join in on the discussion afterwards. If you're interested in training with the ACO, you can learn more about the medical orgone therapy or social orgonomy training programs. You can connect with us and learn more at orgonomy.org. This episode features the reading of one of my articles in the Journal of Ergonomy entitled A Family Deals With Its Emotions, Part 1, followed by a discussion with Dr. Susan Marcel. The discussion touches on tolerating feelings, expression and restraint of emotions, and parenting. Medical orgone therapy can help parents understand themselves better and be more successful in raising their children. The episode of Family Life described below illustrates how characterologically determined reactions of parents may affect the response to their children's behavior and emotional changes. A mother and father were in individual treatment with me. The mother in therapy addressed her tendency to flee strong emotions from others and from within herself. The father in therapy addressed his tendency to avoid spontaneity and disturbing emotion by controlling a situation or others. In one of the sessions, the father described a recent Sunday afternoon where he and his wife overcame a difficult emotional situation which tested them and forced each to face their major character trait. The family was together in the living room. Their daughter, almost two years old, became upset and was yelling and crying. It wasn't clear what she was upset about but the mother started to feel like she needed to escape the commotion. She had gotten to the end of her rope and begged her husband, get her away from me. He considered it. He had done so in the past and part of him would have preferred it, but then he did nothing and allowed his daughter and her mother to work it out alone. Mother settled into a position on the floor and held her daughter who continued to wail and cry and the volume was almost painful. The girl's fit ebbed and flowed and the mother just sat with her without saying a word. It went on for what felt like forever to the mother, but was only about 10 minutes. After the girl calmed down, she sat in her mother's lap 
for a bit longer and then was her regular happy self. The father did not give in to his tendency to take over and control the situation. The mother resisted her urge to flee the strong emotional outburst and built confidence in her ability to help her child. Even though her husband didn't do as she asked, she felt relief that he didn't say a word to make her feel inadequate. Both parents helped each other and supported their daughter by impressing on her that she could be upset, no one was going anywhere, and that she was loved regardless of what she expressed. Great. So the title of this that you gave was A Family Deals With Its Emotions, Part 1. And there's so much in this that partly I want to know what was this like to work with the mom and the dad, which is kind of a unique situation in medical ergotherapy. Um, yeah, so, so there is a lot. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to write it up, because it's this was a discrete example of this family working together. But it also, I think, mirrors a lot of work um, in individual patients, with children, with families. And, and just the, the broader idea of tolerating strong feelings. So this is a family I've been working with for years. So this is from a while back, and there'll be other articles that will go into other examples. Um, so this was the beginning. And it's actually been very good for me because they're a little bit ahead in raising their children than me, so I can learn from my work with them. Oh, how interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The student teaching the teacher. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, it helps to be able to have that perspective and step back, you know, working with somebody else. And then when you're with your own children, you know. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that's how we learn. So there's so much to it. it, it what struck me about this was how simple uh, this was, what you wrote. And yet there's so much to it. I guess the character of each parent I think might be worth looking at how they each handled their emotions and then how they changed and how did you get them from that from from knowing their character to how they were able to make that change yeah so it was um they're both fairly simple so it was pretty transparent how they dealt with their feelings they weren't too complicated it became clear in working with them when they were I think it was right after the baby was born, they both came in for treatment when they were struggling with just that initial overwhelming feeling of being new parents and also struggling with their own relationship as that developed with, you know, being parents. Um, but the father would always take control. It was almost like in the session. Oh, no, it, with his wife at the home. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and yeah, and, and with me also in therapy, that was um, obvious. And that was our work individually. So I never worked with them as a couple together. Oh, they I see. had their own individual therapy. Um, it's never been off the table, but it, it's just it hasn't been needed. So a typical uh, family interaction when they're parenting would be the father would take over and thinking he's helping mom um, who's feeling overwhelmed. And then in the end, the effect is she feels like she can't do it. She feels guilty. And yeah, that really struck me with that when you said how the mother was not getting confidence when the father would would intervene. I mean, did the father even realize that was going on? Yeah, no, he, he had no clue initially, but that's right. what I was able to help him with yep. and to, to yep. look at that perspective of is, is that really what she needs? Right. And then on the other side of it was 
was she expressing this sense that she needs help when truly she's stronger than she was conveying and, and uh, right. realizing within herself and not even realizing what she was contributing to pull father into a, you know, a difficulty with her and her child. Um, so, and, and the thing is, this happens all the time with families and parents. Yes, of course. And it's been really gratifying to work with them to, to see, you know, and be able to help each other. Mm -hmm. And it was so wonderful to hear the father, you know, describe this experience. And it's like, that was their, you know, like the big game, like they, they, they took everything they've been learning and working on and it, it all worked out perfectly together. Yeah. For them to see that kind of success, you know, yeah. a screaming child for 10 minutes is huge, <laughs> especially, you know, if you're a new parent and you have a two-year-old, they don't have the capacity to say, mom, I'm tired or mom, I'm lonely or I'm hungry. You know, they just wail. So for a new parent, this was their first child. Yes. Yeah. So what that stirred up in them, all the, all the emotions, the reactions, um, you know, this this was huge. Just being able to make this this pivot from the old way, you know, based on their character, to something new that actually lifted everybody up out of this misery that they were all they were all contactless, right? Um, right. They, they they weren't connected with each other. They didn't get it. Right. But that changed. I, I was imagining the child on the mother's lap, just sobbing and wailing. And what, what, how hard that must have been for all three of them. Um, but then it, it kind of rose and then calmed down. You know, she discharged it. So um, the mom made it safe, right? Yeah. And it was just, it was acceptable. You know, whatever misery, frustration, sadness, it was just allowed to be. And and that's been very gratifying working with them of of just standing whatever's there, you know, whatever frustration, whatever difficulty. And and sometimes and often you don't have to do anything, you know, just be present and, and be connected with the person you're with or the child. That's been difficult for both of them. I think for all of us it can be very difficult just to tolerate right. intense feeling, intense sensation, you know. Sure. Yeah, so I think the line that touched me the most uh, was what you said when you wrote, um, no one was going anywhere and that she was loved regardless of what she expressed. That's that's not the typical scenario that I see in the families I've worked with, you know, you know that love is conditional, you know, behave and then I'll love you, that kind of thing. I mean, this family really took a very brave, different way, I think. And, um, you know, for that little girl, that's um, that she's loved, no matter what she feels, no matter how she says it um, or screams it. <laughs> um, that, that That's what the line that touched me the most in the whole write up. Yeah, me as well, because that that's that's the when the father told me this story that's what he conveyed you know it was okay and that that you know he had talked to the mother before he told me this story and, and got her perspective when it all kind of uh calmed down uh but it was like they were together and they knew it and uh after that initial tension and they both realized you know what they were doing for their daughter just being there no matter what mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you know working with other parents now um, that's similar work. You know, the, the parents may have uh, different character traits, but there's 
often, you know, a little push pull from each side. Right. And mm-hmm. like a, a, a family I'm working with right now, they have a 12 year old daughter and the father's a little bit involved. Like he's everything, you know, anything that's going on is, is he's there rather than just allowing the child's activities, things just to happen and work themselves out. You know, he's very involved. And the mother recognized this, but has a hard time standing up to him to say, hey, you know, take a seat, just sit down and, and watch it, you know, let, let things play out. And that, and so I meet with them together. And that's- You meet with the mother and the father together? The father, yeah. So, you know, I might meet with the daughter for a little bit and then the parents separately to help them work together and help mothers speak up to say, you know, right. this child needs, I see, you know, you're becoming involved and that's that's what the effect is, you know, on the child, you know, she can do it on her own. And, um, and so just having that conversation, for example, brought up all these feelings in father that were below the surface that were, you know, he had strong feelings that he had a hard time tolerating and by becoming involved, then he wouldn't have to deal with those feelings mm-hmm. of just, you know, am I being a good father? Am I doing, you know, am I involved the way I'm supposed to? You know, I, I don't want to be a um, a dad who's just letting things go by and is just, you know, um, working and, and paying the bills. He wants to be involved in his daughter's life. Mm-hmm. But it became, you know, twisted to the way where Too he much. just yeah. allow things. You know. Right, right. So, so I... I and listening and to what you're saying now and then and your article um, that makes me think about like what effect we have on one another, what effect a father has on a child, a mother has on a child, and then the father and the mother on each other. Um, you know, we can have good intentions, but really what's the effect we're having on our, you know, on our child? Um, what effect is a father and a mother having on their, their little girl? And I don't know that that's what most people that come to see me, that's not what they they think about that oh, a they, they have intentions, but they don't actually really know what, when I say that, when I do intervene or take control, what is that doing to everybody in the room? So I don't know. I just think that that, that being able to think about, okay, what effect am I having and being able to step back and just observe. And then, like you said, to just tolerate and stand it. Yeah. And Another family I work with to that um, on that line you know, it's common that parents will say, oh, they're having a tantrum or they're having outbursts. And it's, they they have a block that keeps them from going a little bit further. What's this outburst about? You know, they're stuck at the, it's, it's uh, intolerable, it's disturbing, it's bothersome, it needs to stop, you know, it's problematic, rather than going that next step and saying, what is the child trying to express and, and what's, where's it coming from? Mm-hmm. And that is a challenge in helping the parents to to just be able to stop and, and look at it longer before they do anything. You know, what's happening here? Do they need it? Is, is it uh, something that has to be stopped? You know, that's a question itself. Is this something that needs to be stopped or does it need to be allowed uh, to right. be expressed? Right, right. And that could be hard in the moment, right? For, you know, you have a wailing child in your lap and you may not know in the moment what exactly to do. Um but these parents from your, your write-up really sounded like they had a sense of, I have choices. I don't just have to go to this take control or run. I, I can try something else. And, and it, it just sounded like it, it was very, 
uh, it brought everybody into contact. Yes. And the little girl was able to just, and, and I thought it was so sweet. I and mean, you said her regular happy self. I just imagine this little toddler going off to go find a doll or something, you know? <laughs> it's funny when I, I re, when I read it again, I was thinking just of my daughter literally last night, she transitioned from the crib to the bed. So now she comes out rather than, you know, crying, sure. she needs something. She you know couldn't come in the room and, she really wanted mom and mom already been up three times the night before. And she was like that night earlier. And it was like, okay, like, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta take care of it. And and she was just unhappy and frustrated. I just sat with her and it was, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning and it's, it's oh, wow. <laughs> tired and she just wailed and wailed and wailed and kicked and stomped. And then it was like, like after a moment, it, she relaxed, the tension was out of the room. She curled up in my lap and we sat with her for five minutes and then I tucked her in and she slept the rest of the night and it was like, okay. Oh, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and that's something, you know, you mentioned earlier, like a child can't say they're hungry, they're this, they're that. Sometimes, and, and this, has been a learning experience for me just to know that sometimes they're they're not hungry they're not right. anything they're just need to vocalize they need to stomp they need to do whatever yeah, you don't need a reason yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i say that to my adult patients all the time um and and to some of my children patients um the youngest i treat is um she's 13 um and you know to just say doesn't you don't have to have a reason it's just what you feel and it's got to go somewhere, <laughs> so, right, right. you know, so make it a safe place. The mother made it safe. The father made it safe for that little girl to just be herself, you know, and lucky her. <laughs> um, I'm curious to hear how she moves forward in her, in her life with that kind of parenting. No, I look forward to writing more articles uh, for, for people to, to hear about it. The other thing, this article I think highlights even without maybe it's not being explicit, which is um, therapy can be helping someone express themselves, but it's also knowing when not to express themselves. So it's sure. it, it's sure. you know like for instance with this father, he can take control, but he also can say things and do things that can be critical or undermining, and he could feel frustrated. But it doesn't mean he has to express it. In fact, what is the effect of him expressing his frustration? He can express his frustration in his therapy to me, you know, in a way that's not destructive to the family unit. And, and that's something that has been up for me is uh, maybe because in society people are, are more impulsive, more expressive with and less restrained in, in a general way. But to help people see that they can have feelings and they can have a place where they can express them, but it's not anywhere and any time, I think that's been invaluable for a lot of my patients to be able to learn that. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point to know. You know, you have a place to take it in therapy, um, and and that it doesn't have to be immediate. And that, but that that requires the ability to just kind of hold things. And I think to your point, you know, in our society. Just being able to say anything, anytime we want. I again, what effect do you want to have on on yourself, on the other person? I mean, I can imagine if the parents had allowed this child to, you know, and they did their typical, he got controlling and she ran away uh, and fled her feelings. 
that what that little girl's watching a, a dynamic of parenting and of marriage and what effect that would have on her years later. I mean, we, we don't know, but, you know, I, I can imagine it might not bode well for her and how she's going to handle her emotion going forward as a, as a young adult and as an adult. So just yes. this simple, the simple, you know, little vignette is it's just the effect it could have on that child's life and on the parent's life is 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 profound, you know. Yeah. yeah. And the way I look at it is, you know, helping them, like I wrote in the article, to be aware of, how did I say it? Medical orgone therapy can help parents understand themselves better and be more successful in raising their children. You know, the idea is they can address their stuff and their daughter may not need therapy that may need minimal uh, help, you know, dealing with some of her own stuff that comes up that just because we all have something, you know, there's no mm -hmm. perfect uh, mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, successful parenting. That that word actually caught my ear when I was reading it. What is a successful parent? And I think you describe it perfectly, you know, for them to just make it safe for her to express herself. And that's okay. She's loved no matter what. Yeah. And then she can go be her happy little self. I mean, it's just, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Resolution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, mentioning perfect parenting, now that having two children. Yeah, what's that like? <laughs> you can even be aware of these things of, you know, what's the effect you're having and, and mm -hmm. what is the child's needs? What is the my own needs? What is my wife's needs? Well, when you have four people who have different needs, sometimes you don't get it just right. <laughs> no yeah. matter how much you're you're aware of, of what's going on and thinking about things, that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 My husband and I used to say, okay, with one child, okay, we got this, sort of. But then when you have the second child, it's like, okay, you, you just drop back to defensive mode and go, okay, what's happening? <laughs> yes. I mean, we would say that with humor and love, like really just trying to be a better parent. And not perfect. There's no, there's no such thing. Yeah. But you know, the, and and when you screw up, to say, "Hey, I'm sorry." You you can apologize to a child, and and they love you. Actually, I my daughter once I apologized to her. Something I said really hurt her feelings, and I didn't realize it. And I apologized right away. I'm like that's not okay to say. And um, later on, like a year or two later, she said, "Mom." I really appreciate that you said you were sorry. You never looked bigger to me. I'm so glad that you were able to do that. And it, it, that touched me <laughs> so much that she was oh, wow. willing to, to share that with me, you know, um, and that she could articulate it and you know, be able to say you're sorry. So parents do make mistakes, you know, that um, but you learn, what do you learn? So I learned, watch what comes out, <laughs> what you say, because, you know, I didn't realize I was hurting her feelings. I had good intentions, but um, it didn't have the effect that I thought it might. So that, that's one thing that I think has been good with the change in, in um, parenting over the years. There's a lot of things that have gone backwards or um, downhill, but I think being able to step at it being an authority without becoming the authority and um, losing your humanity, you know, sure. You would, you would never not apologize to another adult for losing your temper or saying something inappropriate. Right. So why wouldn't you apologize to a child? Right. Right. Yep. Nope. They're people too. 
Human beings, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think somehow that 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 has been, you know, maybe some of the silver lining and, and loosening up that um, in the way people are parenting these days of being able to just, hey, I'm sorry, you know, I, I screwed up. Right. Well, this has been a wonderful discussion. I, I hope to do this more in the future. Just take some of the articles. Uh, I would love to read some of yours and we can have discussions about, about those. I, I welcome that, yeah. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. How do you feel after listening to the article and discussion? What do you think? Are there other articles in the Journal of Ergonomy you'd like to hear the author and I discuss in more detail? Let us know. Send an email to aco at Orgonomy.org. If you learned something or enjoyed the podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a rating and review. The best way to help the ACO spread its knowledge is by letting others know about us. I hope you share this podcast with your friends and family and let them know about our work. You can connect with us at Orgonomy.org. I'm Dr. Chris Burrett. Thank you for listening to the A Different Kind of Psychiatry podcast brought to you by the ACO. Since 1968, the psychiatrists affiliated with the American College of Ergonomy have been helping patients discover greater satisfaction, health, and overall well-being in their lives. Whether patients suffer with mental illness, struggle with addiction, or feel unsatisfied with their work lives or relationships, medical orgone therapy as practiced by the physicians at the ACO offers a way forward, often without the use of medication.